Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast, the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Hello, I'm Marina Yevshan, co-host of the Russia-Ukraine War Report podcast, and today is January the 24th, 2024. It's been 3,650 days since Russia's illegal occupation of Crimea on January 27, 2014, and one year and 335 days since Russia expanded its war of aggression against Ukraine. Today's podcast looks at events that happened yesterday. During the podcast, you will find the Russia-Ukraine war map helpful to visualize the areas discussed. There are detailed map updates today, and there is a link in the podcast description. The Russia-Ukraine War Report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from our direct contacts and journalists in Ukraine, the Russian Ministry of Defense and the Ukrainian General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine Morning Reports, Operational Commands North, South and East of Ukraine, Open Source Intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geospatial experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian male bloggers and social media channels with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission – the truth, because the truth matters. Let's start with the daily assessment. There are small changes from yesterday, so if you skip ahead, you won't hurt my feelings, because I won't even know. 1. We maintain it is unlikely that the United States will provide additional military or financial aid to Ukraine in 2024. 2. The continued impasse in the United States Congress to provide additional military aid to Ukraine and the passive response to Russian kinetic and hybrid aggression is contributing to Russia's expanding access with North Korea and Iran and global hybrid warfare. 3. We maintain the armed forces of Ukraine are facing critical ammunition shortages, particularly air defense missiles and artillery shells, that are directly impacting the ability to maintain existing defensive lines. 4. We maintain that Ukrainian forces no longer have the combat potential to engage in any offensive operations, and Russian troops are capable of additional tactical success and achieving limited operational goals. 5. The reduction in Ukrainian combat potential is a direct result of blocked aid from the United States and the European Union. 6. Russian forces have established an operational objective to capture Chasiv Yar west of Bakhmut. 7. Russian commanders have put mission objectives over all other considerations and are committed to capturing the Avdiv salient regardless of the cost and are maintaining a force of at least 40,000 troops. 8. We maintain that combat that closely resembles World War I trench warfare versus 21st century combined arms maneuver warfare will continue through meteorological winter, which ends on February 29th. 9. We assess that Russia's ongoing political purge is accelerating and the Putin regime is accelerating its transition into a fascist state. 10. While the possibility of an intentional nuclear accident caused by Russian occupiers at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant remains low, in our assessment the threat to Europe is not being taken seriously. We are extremely troubled by the last report from the International Atomic Energy Agency and the increasing resistance from Russian occupiers to cooperate with the United Nations Organization. We begin in Kharkiv Oblast, in the Kupinsk area of operation, or AO. Multiple sources reported the mutual fighting continued north and west of Sinkivka with no change in the situation. 
The Russian Ministry of Defense, or Armored, claimed Ukrainian forces were on the offensive northwest of Krohmalne. Claims by sources in the self-declared Luhansk People's Republic, or LNR, that Russian forces occupied the hamlet of Platenivka are false. Kharkiv was attacked for a third time in less than 24 hours on January 23rd with S-300 anti-aircraft missiles used for a ground attack. The third attack hit a school and civilian infrastructure, wounding at least nine, with three in hospital. In the Svatovyo in Kharkiv oblast, Russian mercenary mail blogger War Gonzo reported fighting in the area of Berestove with no change in the situation. Northwest of Crimean 9, Luhansk oblast, Armod claimed Ukrainian forces were on the offensive in the area of Makivka. West of Kremina, Russian light infantry attempted to reinforce their positions in the tree lines east of Terny and Yampolivka. The Ukrainian 63rd Mechanized Brigade counterattacked with tanks, pushing Russian forces out of the tree lines. We link to the video of the Ukrainian attack in our daily situation report. There is more information in the podcast description on how to become a subscriber. The General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, or GSAFU, reported an attempted Russian advance in the district of Torske was also unsuccessful. Armut claimed that Russian forces were on the offensive south of Dubrova, and GSAFU reported positional fighting in the Serebrensky woods. In the Lysychanskyo, Russian troops, supported by the Aerospace Forces, or VKS, made another significant attempt to advance on Bilohorivka from the north, suffered heavy casualties and retreated in disarray to their previous defensive positions. Next, let's talk about the Donbass. In northeastern Donetsk, Russian forces may have entered an operational pause. In the Bakhmutyo, fighting continued on the northern edge of Bogdanivka, near Khromove, and east of Ivanivske, with no change in the situation. In the Klishivkaio, positional fighting continued northwest and east of Klishivka. In southwestern Donetsk, tactical gains made by Russian forces on the southern flank of the Avdiivkaio were overstated, and Ukrainian forces have restabilized their defensive lines. The number of Russian attacks continues to decline, but the number of light infantry troops involved in each attack has increased. On the northern flank, Russian forces renewed attempts to advance along the railroad grade southeast of Novobakhmutivka, east of Stepove, and northeast of the Avdivka coke plant. The Avdivka city military and administrative governor Vitaly Barabash said that Russia was now, quote, just mounting assaults, unquote, on this front and had stopped using smaller squad-sized units. During the interview with Ukrainian Pravda Life, Barabash was asked directly about the status of the Tsarskohota resort on Soborna Street, saying that Russian forces were pushed out and Ukrainian forces have reoccupied the area for the last, quote, two to three days. Our geospatial map team reviewed Sentinel Hub EO Browser 2 LA True Color Satellite images from January the 23rd, which showed that in Avdiivka everything south of Soborna Street has been destroyed by artillery and airstrikes. The saturation of artillery strikes is indicative of Russian tactics. That would mean Ukrainian forces occupy the region. The Russian T-505 highway ground line of communication, GLOC, that's a supply line, was under Ukrainian fire control. Remember, that doesn't mean Russia can't use it, but it does mean its use is very difficult. Russian propagandist Semyon Pegov wrote that battles were ongoing, quote, on the southeastern outskirts, unquote, of Avdiivka, 
further reinforcing that Russian troops did not consolidate their gains after advancing into the southern part of the city. Based on all of the available information, we assess that Russian forces are not in the southern part of Avdiivka, and we adjusted the war map. Our daily situation report includes satellite images and a more detailed explanation of our geospatial analysis. To the west, on the southern flank of Avdiivka, Russian troops tried to advance through the no-man's land between Vodyane and Severne and continued their attacks in the areas of Pervomaiske and Nevelske. In the Marinkayo, Sentinel-2 Allied True Color Satellite images indicated that Russian troops had made marginal gains east of Georgievka on the north bank of the fishing reservoir. In the Vuhledaryo, Russian troops continued their attacks on the outskirts of Novomikhailivka, with no change in the situation. In Zaporizhia, fighting was ongoing in the Hulepoleyo. Sentinel-2 LA imaging showed exactly where Russian forces were attacking, southeast of Czerwone, with GSAFU reporting that a Russian attack in the area was repulsed. There was only light fighting in the Orikhevayo, west of Verbove and west and south of Robotina. The Cabinet of Ministers of Ukraine approved the appointment of Ivan Fedorov, the exiled mayor of Melitopol, as the new military and administrative governor, or OVA, for the Zaporizhia oblast. Here is the update for the Russian front, and I have breaking news. In the Belgorod region, during an air raid, a Russian Il-76 transport plane was recorded crashing with the entire front section already sheared off and the plane breaking up. The transport aircraft exploded in a fireball after impact. Russian and Ukrainian sources claim Ukraine shot the plane down, and all 63 on board were killed. However, the video linked in the situation report clearly shows that Russian air defense was active at the time of the crash. Flight tracking shows the Il-76 was departing Belgorod. Claims that it was carrying Ukrainian POWs are false. The airframe loss represents 1% of Russia's entire military heavy airlift capability. In the Bryansk region, Russia claimed that a drone struck the oil terminal in Zhecha, but did not penetrate the fuel storage tank. We checked for satellite images, but the last pass was on January 22nd. In the Leningrad region, Russia has started deploying additional S-300 air defense batteries in response to Ukrainian drone strikes. Almost 20 oil tankers are now staged outside of the Usluga oil terminal, which remains closed. In Vladivostok, Russia, the large electrical substations in different parts of the city simultaneously exploded, knocking out power to over 100,000 residents. Ukrainian officials made no claims of an attack, and Russian officials labeled the incident as an accident. In our assessment, the event was highly unusual. Two electrical substations typically don't randomly explode during good weather without human intervention. It was another very busy news day. Here is my theater-wide update. On January the 23rd, there were only 42 combat clashes reported across Ukraine, down two-thirds from a week ago. An assessment. Our analyst team is perplexed about why Russia launched a brief wave of attacks that did not produce significant tactical results or operational success. Russian troops appear to lack sufficient combat power to reach their larger operation goals, 
and Russian commanders appear to be struggling to find a way to shift their attritional warfare mass. The situation would be even more favorable for Ukraine if its forces were not on the brink of catastrophic ammunition shortages. The spokesman for the Ukrainian Air Force, Colonel Yuri Ignat, said that some Russian missiles fired against Ukraine on January 23 did not reach their targets due to, quote, obsolescence, malfunctions and interference from electronic warfare systems. Additionally, pictures of missiles' debris showed that at least one of the KH-101 cruise missiles used was produced in December 2023. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky said that over 130 were wounded and another 18 killed during the overnight and morning attacks, including 15 in Kharkiv, 2 in Kherson and 1 in Dnipropetrovsk oblast. As of the time of recording, United Nations Secretary-General Antonio Gutierrez had not released a statement about the attack. The coordinator for strategic communications at the National Security Council of the White House, John Kirby, told reporters that Moscow was saturating Ukrainian air defenses and air defense missiles were critically low. Quote, That's why the supply of military aid to Ukraine is critical. Right now, they, he means Ukraine, have to make difficult choices about which targets to shoot down and in which cases to save resources. Unquote. Shortly after the Russian missile attack, Prime Minister of Slovakia Robert Fico repeated Kremlin and conspiracy talking points, telling a reporter, quote, Do you seriously think that there is a war in Kyiv? You're joking, please. I hope you are not serious. Go there, and you will see that life is normal in the city, absolutely normal life." Unquote. The Turkish parliament has approved Sweden's accession to the NATO alliance, and it now awaits the signature of Recep Tayyip Erdogan, the president of Turkey. The prime minister of Hungary, Viktor Orban, invited his Swedish counterpart, Ulf Kristersson, to negotiate for NATO membership. Previously, Orban had said that he would ask the Hungarian parliament to approve membership after the Turkish approval. During the 18th meeting of the Rammstein Working Group, U.S. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin reiterated, quote, The United States does not have any credible evidence of misuse or illegal transfer to third parties of American weapons provided to Ukraine, unquote, and added that the U.S. has no additional funds to support Ukraine. During the CONFAB, the Minister of Defense of Ukraine, Rustem Umerov, said that Russian artillery had a 6-to-1 advantage and the situation was deteriorating. Canada announced a new military aid package of 10 Zodiac Hurricane patrol boats and training for Ukrainian forces in their operation. Ottawa also committed to providing instructors to train Ukrainian pilots. Germany announced it would deliver six Sikorsky Sea King S-61 helicopters to Ukraine and train their fight and support crews. The Sea King is a multi-role naval-focused helicopter with similar capabilities to the Russian Mi-14. The Secretary-General of NATO, Jens Stoltenberg, announced that an agreement had been reached to buy hundreds of thousands of 155mm shells using $1.2 billion in NATO funds. Ukraine reported that in 2024 the country would receive a new weapon that does not exist yet that will help strike Russian troops and their logistic hubs. United States Senator James Lankford announced that while progress had been made on reaching an agreement for an immigration reform package and military aid for Ukraine, 
there was still work to be done, and discussions had ended for the week. Langford remained optimistic that a vote would be brought to the Senate floor next week. My script editor left a note. It says, must not write a rant. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. Our team of journalists, researchers and analysts is funded by readers, listeners and viewers just like you. To support independent journalism, please consider becoming a patron. You can find us on patreon.com at Malcontent News. What's going on in the land of Mobix, mobilization and Mir? It's time for the Russia update. The United Kingdom provided the UN with satellite images as evidence that North Korea was, and still is, supplying Russia with ammunition. The Russian cargo ships Maya, Angara and Maria were in the North Korean port of Naijin, and all three unknown weapons carriers. In the occupied settlement of Amvrosievka, Donetsk Oblast, near the Russian border, a truck driver discovered that a landfill was full of military aid meant for Russian troops. The equipment had been destroyed by tractors and included stretchers, winter clothing and medical supplies. State Duma deputy Ekaterina Stenyakina called the incident a criminal act of sabotage. January has been a brutal month for Russian senior field officers. On January 16th, Lieutenant Colonel Andrei Harchenko, the deputy regimental commander for military and political work of the 1125th Motor Rifle Regiment, was killed in action. Military and political work includes blocking troops and making sure soldiers consume Kremlin propaganda. When senior political officers are near the line of conflict, it indicates there is a major incident of insubordination or desertion. Additionally, personnel shortages can force political work troops to engage in real combat instead of threatening to shoot their own retreating forces. Early in the month, Lieutenant Colonel Nikolai Manshin died of a heart attack during fighting. His obituary reported that he was a little green man in 2014, participating in the Russian military invasion of the Donbass. On January 21, Lieutenant Colonel Evgeny Dragunovsky, battalion commander, was killed in action. Two more lieutenant colonels, Nikolai Samarin of the 24th Motor Rifle Regiment and Igor Kampanyets of the 26th Motor Rifle Regiment, were killed in action in the Urihivayo. Colonel Roman Torakhov was killed in action in late 2023. It was announced he had been awarded the title Hero of Russia on December 16, posthumously, after being killed in action in Ukraine. Additionally, on January 15, Major Viktor Klimov, test pilot and the deputy training commander of the 1338th Shilkova Test Center, Chkalovsky Military Airfield Moscow, was killed when an anti-aircraft missile hit the Il-22M command and control aircraft he was piloting. The co-pilot was able to land the plane and is reportedly severely injured. A new Russian Franken tank was discovered, with pictures showing T-80 tank hulls with RBU-6000 212mm naval anti-submarine rocket launchers mounted to them. Over the summer, pictures showed the RBU-6000 complex had been mounted to the MTLB armored personnel carrier. The rockets only have a range of 4,300 meters, and it is unclear if this modification was made due to shortages of T-80 tank turrets, shortages of BM-21 Grad rocket launches, or an excess of RBU-6000 launches and ammunition. 
You know, I can't imagine having up to a dozen unprotected missiles on the top of a tank will hold up well when hit by a $500 one-way drone. Russian soldier and mill blogger Andrei Morozov, better known as Murs, disassembled and inspected the new Combat Aura Dome 10 anti-drone system and said it was a good way to, quote, waste 50 watts of electrical power, adding, quote, I sense that the battalion commander's phrase the Chinese failed will become a meme. Russian propagandist Daniel Bessonov said that he would prefer if Ukrainian forces would stop fighting. In his view, the more Ukrainians that are preserved after a Russian victory, the more who can be mobilized in a future war against NATO. We'll link to his video with English subtitles in our Daily Situation report. State Duma deputy Mikhail Matveyev was forced to publicly apologize to Chechen warlord and aspiring dentist Colonel General Ramzan Kadyrov after disparaging Muslim immigrants. Early in the day, a video leaked of Matveyev saying that some migrants are angry savages who, quote, aggressively impose their sharia on the residents of Russia, unquote. After his statement, Kadyrov called for Matveyev to be removed from the State Duma. Putin's purge is accelerating and spreading to all parts of Russian society. A bill has been presented to the State Duma that will permit the confiscation of property and assets of a person convicted of violating the so-called Don't Say War laws. Speaker Vyacheslav Volodin supports the bill, saying it could will allow the confiscation of money, valuables or other property used or intended to finance criminal activities against the security of the Russian Federation. Unquote. The state would be able to take all assets and property, including the property of spouses and children, for spreading fakes about the military, public calls for extremist actions, discrediting the armed forces, calls for separatism or anti-state activity, calls to impose sanctions on Russian officials, assistance to foreign states, or the rehabilitation of Nazism. While this is an additional tool to suppress dissent, it has the added benefit of funding the Russian state budget. Others may have already forgotten about protests that erupted last week in support of activist Fail Alsinov in Bashkortostan, but our analyst team is monitoring the fallout. Dozens have been arrested, with the first mass raid in the village of Timasova, where a bus and security vehicles with no license plates rounded up residents. In Baymak, activist Dim Davlet Kildin was arrested and brought to pre-detention with 36 other people to the city of Ufa. Since Monday, 111 people have been convicted of disobedience to the police and are still being held as deeper investigations continue. The Russian Vulcan Protocol, which suppresses Internet access during unrest, is still in place. People living outside of the region report that they have not been able to reach family members and friends on WhatsApp and Telegram. In Kostroma, a 30-year-old man has been arrested and charged with making calls for terrorism. Last summer, in response to a post on VK, Russia's Facebook clone, that accused Moscow officials of covering up the damage from a drone strike, the unnamed man wrote, quote, Handsome guy did this. He now faces five to seven years in prison. In the Ivanova region of Russia, the Federal Security Services arrested anti-war blogger Sergei Veselov. Veselov is charged with justification of terrorism due to an anti-war speech he made, and this represents the fourth criminal case opened up against him. 
In occupied Crimea, the Russian Criminal Investigation Department searched the home of the deputy head of the Central Election Commission of the Kurultai of the Crimean Tatar people, Nazim Mehmetov. Mehmetov is accused of illegal arms trafficking, but was not detained after the search. Security officials took computers and cell phones from the residence. In Novosibirsk, city officials denied a permit to protest for a second time. The group wants to protest the ongoing heating and power outages with a rally called Let's Return Energy to the People. City officials have denied permits, saying that the event could, quote, create a threat to the rights and freedoms of man and citizen, legality, law and order and public safety, including the foundations of the constitutional system, unquote. The Prosecutor-General recognized the Anti-War Committee of Russia as an undesirable organization, responding to a denunciation filed against State Duma Deputy Andrei Lugovoy. The group was formed in February 2022, and while the term undesirable organization may seem funny, it means any further association with the group would be a violation of the so-called Don't Say War laws. Metropolitan Leonid Gorbachev, the Patriarchal Exarch of Africa of the Russian Orthodox Church, was removed by the Supreme Church Court. The Metropolitan was associated with the former private military company Wagner Group and an ally of its deceased leader Evgeny Prigozhin. He was told his dismissal was, quote, for church offenses identified during the transfer of cases during the dismissal of the rector of the Church of All Saints in Kulishki, unquote. The Supreme Court of Russia shut down and liquidated the assets of the Hakassia News Agency because the publication did not follow Kremlin propaganda guidelines. One of the violations included not reporting that the lead singer of the band The Leg Crashed is a recognized foreign agent. The novel Heritage, written by Vladimir Sorokin, has been removed from stores and online sales after blogger Olga Uskova wrote a denunciation against the author. She complained that the book describes how, quote, the monster leaders of Russia, China and Belarus feed their countries with pieces of human bodies, unquote, and needs to be checked for LGBT and pedophilia propaganda. Roskachestva has defined new rules for toys that, quote, can cause harm to the health and development of children, unquote. It includes toys that can cause fear and horror, a desire to use drugs, incite antisocial acts, depict cruelty or sexual relations, and toys made by foreign agents. The Kremlin has already opened up an investigation into Barbie. That includes Red Army Barbie, Russian Spy Barbie, Babushka Barbie, and Propagandist Barbie. An assessment. All of these actions have happened between Friday and Tuesday. While some call the Russian plunge into fascism shocking, we had assessed after the Prigozhin insurrection in June 2023 that Russian President Putin was starting the biggest political purge since the 1950s. Moscow used the insurrection as a way to justify turning its hybrid warfare machine against its own citizens, who are moving to a state that ironically resembles Hitler's Germany with thunderous applause. The threat to world security is an entire generation of children who are consuming fascist propaganda in a rapidly closing society. Think North Korea, but with resources, 140 million people and the largest nuclear arsenal in the world.
the model the Kremlin adopted mirrors the same tactics of Nazi Germany. The German Gestapo operated from 1933 to 1945 and, at its peak in 1944, only had 32,000 employees across occupied Europe. How was it possible for the Nazis to maintain their tight grip on power with such a small organization? Through denunciations and reports provided by ordinary citizens who acted as the eyes and ears of the political police. After two years of intense propaganda is increasing its effectiveness. Ukraine's allies need to fully support Kyiv and commit to the full defeat of the Russian Federation armed forces in Ukraine. Otherwise, this metastasized cancer of fascism will eventually bring war to the rest of Europe. Oh, Apple, why? On January 19, United States-based Apple paid a $13.3 million antitrust fine to the Kremlin related to Apple's refusal to let developers inform customers of alternative in-app payment solutions. The investigation started in July 2022, after Russia expanded its war of aggression against Ukraine. While Apple reported it had withdrawn from Russia in March 2022, payments from Russia for Apple services, such as Apple Music and in-app purchases, are still accepted through Apple Pay. So, did Apple really leave Russia? The fine has already been added to the Russian state treasury. And according to our analysts, it is enough money to buy 14,752mm artillery rounds with powder charges. And that's what we know. Your support of my home, Ukraine, helps us make history and protect the future for all. You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening.